And you know, uh, the Blakes are just good people, that's for real. Whenever I see Lady Blake, she always greets me so gently, so kindly, and she is just a beautiful model of a saint. I'm glad for her. Now listen, just for a minute, I want to take text from Luke 10. And I want to tell you, as a church, that West Angeles, you have been given a certain level of dignity and respect as a church. But do not think because you built this million-dollar facility that your job is over or that you can lean back and say, well, you know, we built a big church and we do this and that. You know, as individuals, each one of you have a responsibility, not just your church, but you have a responsibility and you have a responsibility given to you by God. God has given you this responsibility and you cannot go to sleep on your watch. Because you can boast that you have 25,000 members and all that, you, you can't just, you know, be bragging about stuff. You got a lot of stuff you got to do. And just because it's a lot of people and just because you do a lot of things, you got to remember individually you have something that you should do. Let's look at the text today. It got so quiet when I said that. Don't be talking about our church. I'm talking about you. <laughs> Luke 10, 25, and behold a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, most of the time we look at Scripture, we look at it through either white eyes or religious eyes. But we need to look at the text through whom the text has been written to. We need to look at it through a Hebraic lens. What do they consider to be eternal life? Eternal life is to do the law and to be accepted in the kingdom of God, to be accepted by God. Here, what must I do? Jesus answers. He said, what is written in the law? How do you read it? How do you interpret the law? Now, this is real important in a day like this because when you look at the church and who we are supposed to be in society, we are being grossly misread. We're being misread doctrinally. They say that we believe things that we necessarily do not believe. They classify us in ways that we should not and we are unfairly being classified, especially African-American churches. And so... When you look at the law, Jesus says, how do you read it? How do you interpret the law? How do you look at it? When you look at the church, how do you really interpret it? How do you look at us? How are we being understood? And let me tell you this right now. I don't care what our positions are in society morally. We got to remember we have a reputation to uphold. And our reputation, we don't want to be seen in society as mean. See, I, I don't know, but Bishop and I both have come out of old-fashioned holiness. Now, the majority of you all don't even know what old-fashioned holiness is. Some of you sitting there, that's right, I came out. No, you did not. When I got saved, you couldn't wear red. It was the devil's color. You couldn't drive a Cadillac. It was the devil's car. They said a Cadillac was a whole house on four wheels. You couldn't wear false teeth or a wig. God hate every false way. You couldn't drink a Coke or a Pepsi because you couldn't have a strong drink. 
You know the missionaries used to wear, you couldn't wear pantyhose, you had to wear stockings because they said pantyhose was pants. And so the women wore those stockings and had that ball on the side. And at that time we were so extreme till we kept a lot of people out because they said we were mean. We was clean but mean. My daughter's Friday, she went to the prom, and I said, when she was going to the prom, I said, baby, when father was prom age, the saints said I couldn't go to the prom. Not only that, my pastor wrote a letter to the school. We couldn't go on trips. Couldn't go to the amusement park. Couldn't go to the zoo. And he wrote a letter to the school. The school wanted to know why can't he go to these things. The pastor wrote a letter. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Rather reprove them. And so we're not careful. We can be interpreted in an improper way. We have to be careful in the way we live our life as citizens of God that we don't come off the wrong way. And so he says interpretation is very important. How do you view the church? We've kept a lot of people out of the house of God because we have been improperly understood. Come on, you know Jesus ain't in clothes. Blessed quietness, holy quietness. But we were sometimes very unfortunately misinterpreted. Let's look at the text. How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength and with all your mind. And after loving him, then love your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you've answered correctly. Do it and live. Because with loving God comes revelation. With loving God comes understanding. So you, you can't love God with all your strength and be ignorant. Because when you love God, you have fellowship with him. And that fellowship brings illumination. It brings revelation. It brings understanding. So once you love God properly, you can really know how to love somebody else. That's why when a daughter brings a son into the office to say, Pastor, I want to marry so-and-so, you need to understand, where is this man's relationship with God? All of us fathers want our daughters to marry men who love God. Because if he loves God, he's not going to be at home at 8 o'clock in the morning, laying in the bed, turning over at 12.30. See, when people love God, when people love God, they're not ignorant. There's something about, man, I wish I had a church here to preach to. It's something about loving God that brings revelation. It brings understanding. First, love him with all your strength. To love God with strength means the person is actively doing something that is noticeable. He's performing, he's behaving in a way that when people see him, they say, man, that guy must love God. And when you can love him with all your strength, then you would have the capacity to love someone else. But the scripture said this brother wasn't really into this. He was really testing Jesus. Listen what the text says. Jesus said, do it and live. 
but he designed to justify himself. How many people come to church, all they wanted out of the service is to say, I'm okay. And if I can say I'm better than you, well, I don't live like you live, then I feel justified. And we use each other. We use each other as the standard. As long as I'm better than him, as long as I'm better than her. Now, how many people come to church to justify themselves? He wanted to justify himself. So he says to Jesus, who's my neighbor? You say, love my neighbor as myself. Who is my neighbor? And Jesus, instead of saying who his neighbor is, Jesus did what Jesus often was great at doing. He told a story. Now, you know, stories are good to really bring truth because it's through a story that David recognized his sin of pride with Bathsheba. The prophet came and told a story. Here, Jesus is going to tell a story. Listen at the story Jesus tells. Jesus replied, a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, watch this. He says a man. He doesn't say what man. He doesn't mention the race of the man. He doesn't mention the nationality, the status of the man. He just says a man was leaving Jerusalem, going to Jericho. Now, most of the Jews who had heard this probably assumed that the man Jesus is speaking of was a Jew. But Jesus doesn't say it was a Jew. He just says a man. Are y'all with me in the text? Do y'all like to hear the Bible preached? Y'all, when we talk about something else, you want to talk about prosperity, 10 ways to have a successful job, eight ways to get your prayers answered. Like, dog, I didn't know we was going to have to read the Bible today. Listen, read your Bible. <laughs> the scripture says he fell among robbers and they stripped him. They stripped him. And you know when they stripped him, in, in this day, people are known by the clothes that they wear, their wealth, their status, and their race is known by what they wear. Even in, in, the, in the tribes of Israel, they dressed by tribes. Benjamin wore Benjamin clothes and, and uh, you know, everybody dressed according to their, their tribe. So when this man is stripped on the road, the scripture is showing us that this man is stripped of his identity. Nobody knows who he is. The robbers have stripped him of his identity and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. He was not dead. He was half dead. Now, by chance, a priest. Now, the brother was half dead, meaning he had a chance to make it. He, was, he wasn't gone. He was half dead. And the scripture says the priest. Now, if the priest is leaving Jerusalem on Jericho, the priest has already done his priestly duties. The scripture says that he has to stay clean for his priestly duties, but his priestly duties have been performed. He is no longer performing those duties, but the scripture says the priest pass by. He did not even look at the man. He passed him by. He was religious. He was a priest. He had just received an offering. It is probably true that he was not on Jericho by himself because he had received offerings for his time in the temple and he had his offerings with him. He probably had an entourage and the scripture says this man with the resources, an entourage with him and resources walk right past the man. 
the identity of that man was not even important to that priest. He didn't care who he was. I want to ask you, we can get so segregated until the only person we want to see blessed, the only person we want to see prosper is somebody connected to me. My child, my children, my grandchildren, my children's children, but nobody else. And when something happens, we can pass by it and not even give it a look like it didn't even happen. It didn't even occur. How many of us remember Rispa, that concubine of Saul in the scriptures? You remember Rispa? Rispa was a woman who was a concubine to Saul, but when Saul got killed, the scripture says Rispa had to leave the house. When Rispa left, her son died in the war with Saul and four other concubines, their sons died also. The scripture says that Rispa, not thinking just about her own son, but thinking of the other sons, the scripture says she got on a rock and began to wail and began to cry. My God, so oftentimes in church, if somebody's son is drug addicted, somebody's daughter is in prostitution, somebody has gone astray, we don't even think about them. But the Bible said there were four other concubines. They didn't cry. But Rispa went on the rock and she cried for all four of the other concubines whose sons had also been killed in that war. And the Bible said Rispa fought the ravenous beast by day. She fought the fowls of the air by day and the ravenous beast at night. And she cried on that rock, concerned not just for her son, but concerned for the other sons that also were slain in the war. My God, you cannot sit in the house of God and only be concerned about you, only be concerned about your son, only concerned about your daughter. And everything else that's happening, you're ignoring it. But the Bible says she cried so long until David had to send an emissary to her and say, Rispa, why are you crying? She said, I'm crying because my sons, she claimed all of them, my sons have been hung out in the noonday sun. These sons were the sons of Saul and I don't feel that they need to be hung out in the noonday sun. When you get up in the morning and you look at the television, your sons are being hung out in the noonday sun. They're hung out on the news. They're being killed. They're being murdered. We get upset because of what happened to Rayvon. But you got to understand there's so much black on black killing. Our sons and our daughters are dying and we're just walking past. We're just singing hymns and we forget. Listen to me. Listen to me, beloved. Our society is so terrible until the blood has come up to our windows and we've got to even hold our leaders to a standard. I don't want you pulling up in front of my church in a Mercedes Benz. I don't want you pulling up in a Rolls Royce. I don't want you pulling up in a Bentley and you haven't done anything in society. You haven't done anything to help anybody. You haven't been concerned about nobody but your own people. How you gonna pull up and ignore me? I'm hungry. How you gonna sit at your table and eat every day and I'm hungry? The scriptures say the priest, he had money. He had what it took. My God, many times, uh, I might not finish this lesson, but so many times when we come to receive a mission offering, it's like the lowest thing we can receive. It's like everybody just ignores it. We know it exists, but let's just act like it ain't happening. We know people are in need and we know we got stuff, but don't, let's just ignore it. Let's do like this priest, let's just walk on by. The scripture says, 
The priest walked by on the other side. And so likewise, the man attending the priest, the Levite, the assistant of the priest, he did the same. But at least the Levite did look at him. He looked and kept walking and said, mm, nah, folks do. I hope he make it. He might make it. He could make it. Folks have made it through worse. But he kept walking. Now remember what the question is. The question is, who is my neighbor? The Levite passed by. He saw him. But a Samaritan. Now listen at this. I, I don't have time to finish this lesson, but listen at this. The Samaritans hated Jews. And the Jews hated Samaritans. Let me show you how much they hated each other. Now listen at this. I ain't got time to finish this, but let me show you something. They all had things in common. The Samaritans believed in one God. They believed in the God of Moses. They considered Moses to be their patriarch. They had all things in common. They celebrated the Sabbath. They kept the feast days. But the Jews hated them because they said they were half-breeds. And they hated them. Hated them so much that they pushed them out of Jerusalem. Y'all go worship somewhere else. My God. My God. Y'all go worship somewhere else. You're not welcome here. Here you are rejected. And the scripture says, the Samaritan came. Look at this. The Samaritans hated the Jews so much until when the Jewish priests would cleanse themselves for their ceremonies, the the Jews would be all consecrated, the priest with his robes on, the, the temple been cleansed and everything. And they know the law that if a dead thing touched them, they would be unclean. The Samaritans would go to the cemetery and dig up dead bones and go to the temple and throw them in on them. <laughs> on their high feast days, they hated each other. Listen, let me just read one thing to you. I don't have time to finish my lesson, but I'm going to close in just a minute. But let me just read one thing. This is out of the Mishnah. Listen at this. He that eats the bread of a Samaritan is like one that eats the flesh of a swine. Listen at the wisdom of Ben Sarek. Listen at this. There are, there are two nations that my soul detests. The third is not a nation at all. The name of one is the inhabitants of Mount Seir. The descendants of Esau is, and the Philistines is the second. Now watch this. And the third, this is written in his writings. The third the stupid people living in Shechem, the Samaritans. I detest them. But here's the thing. The man is laying there half dead. His identity has been stripped away. We don't know whether he's Samaritan or Jew. And here, this detestable Samaritan sees him, and the scripture says, he began to heal him you know that even in this land, as I close this lesson, many of us as African Americans, we've been considered to some the scum of the earth. Thank you, Jesus. I said, thank you, Jesus. We came here as slaves. We were the rejected. We were the cast out. I know you got a Cadillac now. 
but we were the rejected of society. Would you believe West Angeles that God now is going to use what was rejected to heal? That's why we, 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 we can't get off focus. We can't get we can't, we can't lose our focus. We got to remember who we are. We got to remember that I'm not a politician. And I feel comfortable disagreeing with unrighteousness if God disagrees with it. But however, my main purpose is the purpose of Jesus. Jesus said, I didn't come to this world to condemn the world. But I came to the world that the world could be saved. When a person really needs healing, when a person really needs deliverance, you can't stand back and act like he don't need it. See, when a person is drowning, they don't need advice. A person drowning don't need you to say, hey, you better get up out of there. <laughs> Neither do they need you to stand back on the shore and throw them a lot. They need somebody that's willing. And in this 17th annual missions conference, I want to know in West Angeles Church, how many of you are willing to be healing to somebody? To be deliverance for somebody. To be help for somebody. Raise your hand and say, use me, Lord. Come on, open your mouth and say, use me, Lord. Everyone stand, please, and give praise to the Lord. Give praise to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your servant. Thank you for the charge. Thank you for the challenge. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, bless your people today. Your word has gone forth. Thank you, the Lord, for revealing to us that, that preaching is not just for the preacher. The message is not just for the minister but for all of your people to serve you and to reach out to make sure that in the place where they exist, in the place where they live, your spirit and your love and your power go out from them to bless and touch those who need to know you, who need help and who need to be lifted. Let us not only praise you and not only worship you, but let us serve you, dear Lord, and let us accept the challenge of doing everything we can that we might impact lives for good. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Thank God. Amen. Everybody clap your hands and praise God for the man of God. What a rich word. What a rich word. And what a rich challenge. What a rich challenge. I want to pray for those who don't know the Lord Jesus as Savior. I want to pray for people whose sins are not forgiven.
come to the house of the Lord wounded and burdened, challenged, stressed. The word of God says you can cast all your care on Jesus because he cares for you. You've come to the house of the Lord weary because it seems that there's no love on the earth for you. Nobody cares about you. Nobody loves you. But I beg to differ with you. Jesus loves you. And God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus loves you so much that he died for you. Not only did he die for you, but he arose again from the dead. And that means he's got power to deal with whatever situation you're confronted by. And so if you're here in the house of the Lord today and you would say, Preacher, I want to know this Jesus that the man of God preached about. I want to be saved. I want my sins forgiven. I want to give my life to the Lord. I'll pray for you right where you stand. Right where you are, the Lord Jesus can come into your life and you'll never be the same again. If any man be in Christ, he's the new creature. Old things have passed away and behold, all things are become new. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you would accept Jesus Christ, if you would say, listen, Jesus, I need you. I'm tired of the guilt, tired of the pain, tired of the hurt tired of the aimlessness and the purposelessness I want to know you I want to be saved I want you to be my Lord if that's you lift that hand and hold it high quickly please pray for me preacher I want to give my life to Jesus pray for me preacher I want to be saved I need a change in my life you're not here by accident you're here by divine providence Make use of this time. Let the Lord change your life, set you free. Lift that hand, please. I see that hand, my dear. Please keep it lifted. Please keep it lifted. I'm going to pray. Dear Lord, I pray for every uplifted hand in the house today. Thank you, dear Lord, that you brought them to the house of God. Thank you that you've reached out to them and you've touched their hearts, their minds, their spirits, because they could not turn to you except you would draw them to yourself. Thank you for your presence and for your compassion that you extend and for the change you're going to make into their lives. Change them today. Set them free today. Forgive them today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Everybody repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me for the wrong I've done. Wrong I have been. I want to be saved. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died for my sin. I believe he arose from the dead. I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior. And I give my life to you. And I thank you, Lord. I am saved. I have new life. I am forgiven. Thank the Lord. Come on and worship the Lord and thank him and praise him. Glorify the Lord. Glorify the Lord.